really hard like you want people to like you you want to have friends you you want to be accepted but the biggest thing is you have to accept yourself i've come to realize that if i live my life the way others want me to live it or if i start to define myself by the way others see me and i did do that and it, it's miserable it's absolutely miserable and i rather at this point let down people then let down myself. You're the one who has to live with yourself. You're the one who has to wake up in this body every day. It's so important for you to live in your truth and not to let other people tell you how to feel. It was just so hard for me because I love other people. Something's gotta give, something's gotta break, but all I do is give, and all you do is take. Something's gotta change, but I know that it won't. No reason to stay. It's a good reason to go. That is Talia. I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Talia was born looking up, and she grew up to become a space journalist, a photographer of galaxies and stars and even flying in zero-g as part of her story. What I enjoyed the most was her having the strength to share what is going on beyond the surface level of status, living to try to appear oppressive in other people's eyes. I don't know if this type of honesty is valued or appreciated as much as faking it. A fairly recent big change in her story is moving out to California. Let's pick up her story there. Let's see, I moved out to California maybe a little over two years ago, and I think that was in the last year or so, probably the last eight months, really. I call it the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a real, doing a lot of like self work, and being out here where you're 2,500 miles away from your friends and family, you're in a city that is massive, it's huge. Los Angeles is, is so big, and it's so exciting, and there's so many people here, but at the same time, it can be very lonely Mm. and since moving out here I mean I've had a lot of random crazy things happen but being so far away from like my roots I started to kind of go deep within myself to recognize these like patterns and these behaviors as well as these thoughts and feelings I had that I had to like meet expectations or had to be a certain way or that I had to Mm. like make my, I mean, of course I want to make my parents happy. Of course I want Mm -hmm. my friends to like me, but I felt like I was always looking on the outside to figure out who I was. You know, I was defining myself by the way other people looked at me and not by how I felt about myself. So moving out here and being so far away from all of that, I started to one panic because like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, you know what? I moved out here. I had a, I had a boyfriend at the time. Um, but we have since broken up, which is kind of what sparked all of this. Um, Mm. but you know, you kind of, you start to realize like, okay, like I'm out here, it's just me and there's no one telling me who I am. No one telling me how I should be. No one, you know, I am free to be myself. And I think that really, really hit me over the summer when I got to this point in being out here where I just felt like everything was kind of spiraling out of control and I just had to figure out okay like what like what got me to this point I have to do some like serious like self isolation and just really dig in deep started journaling I started to kind of I actually started listening to podcasts too, which is funny that we're doing this. <laughs> um, I started to find when I started to really embrace who I was as a person and find the things that make me who I am. Like, I love space. I will always love space. I'm an you know I'm trying to be a photographer, an astrophotographer. I'm a runner. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a you know digital marketing manager. I'm a dog mom. You know things that make me who I am. And when I started to really embrace that man like I, everything I started attracting all the right things and it was like all the people that I tried to keep around who I was kind of like molding myself for people whose approval I was desperate to get once I started to let that go I made like room in my life for better people and better opportunities and everything kind of started to fall into place so I'm a really big believer in um 
in everyone, you know, if you show up authentically, you will attract all the right things. And so that's pretty much like where I'm at now. And it's a, it's always a work in progress. Yeah. So it sounds like you were living this secondhand life, which as like an empath, you're just naturally in tune with others and you just, you don't want to meet others' expectations. And then through this series of events of first, you know, moving out to California, which separated you from your family and then breaking up with your boyfriend, who was, you know, someone you're obviously close to out there in California, that puts you at that crossroads where you had to decide, do I give up on this dream and this journey and go back home? Or do I start to face these things that pretty much everyone tries to avoid? And how can you help us understand? Like, I mean, I think you painted a good picture, but how can you help us understand like the rewards of what everyone is scared of, which is asking, why do I feel this way? What's my part to play in this story? How could you help someone like understand how rewarding that is and why it's worth the pain and the fear of going through it? Oh, oh my God. I mean, I think, well, I got to this place and it wasn't, it wasn't my, like, it, it was not my intention. It was not anything I planned. I moved out here thinking that I was with the person I was going to marry for the rest of my life. Like I thought he was the one and it ends up like, you know, he was the one who broke up with me. And I mean, honestly, my life was flipped upside down and I actually look back at what I experienced because it, it was really bad. Too. I mean, like my job like let me go and then that same day he broke up with me and we lived together so it's like I just hit rock bottom so I have no income I have like I I have to move out of this apartment and Mm. it's just like okay I don't have a job so I'm at this crossroads now where it's like well I could move back to Florida live with my parents you know I have nothing here going for me but then I've also experienced a lot of hardships in my life and um even when I lived in Florida when I you know I I think probably like, you know, college and be you know, 18 and up, like I, every year, it's like something big has happened. And I've learned that when I'm faced with these, you know, with adversity, when I'm faced with hardships and challenges, oh my God, it sucks. It, but I have learned that you can take that pain and turn it into power. And so I remember in some, like, you know, some times where I, where I was faced with a challenge, I remember looking back at hard hard times and thinking to myself um it seems like you're never going to overcome it but when you do oh my god i mean you take that pain you turn it into power you can you can do anything i mean that's also kind of what fueled my running you start to learn that your mind is so much more powerful than what you really think and when push comes to shove and you I mean, what was I going to do? I didn't want to give up and move back to Florida. I was like, I'm stubborn too, by the way. I'm so stubborn. And um, not a bad I'm a Taurus, thing. so go figure. But I'm like, no, I'm not leaving California unless it's on my own terms. Like, that's not going to happen. So I will stay here. I'll stick it out. I'll make this work. And it is just, yeah, it's, I mean, the reward you get from that is you basically know anything can happen to me, anything bad can happen to me, and I will be okay. I'll get through it. So it sounds like one of the principles that for you, like you say, like you're stubborn, it's like if push comes to shove and life or someone or circumstances are like boxing you in this corner, trying to make you feel like you have no other choice but to give in, that that's a hill you'll die on to say nothing can force me to, nothing can control. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, but the the issue there is if you if you do start to give in that first time, then the next time, well, you've already started to establish this pattern of, you know, it's easier and easier to look away from those hard moments. So it's like that's an important takeaway for you. It's like that's just something for people that if they're no matter what, however small, it's like you got to start somewhere. You got to start facing something. And it's like once you start that pattern of you're an empathic person. But how would you describe that like in a terms of like you still want to you know, be in relationships and be considerate to other people. So how do you kind of navigate like this, like being true to yourself and also including others in your life? So it's interesting because I only realized this in the past, like I was in the past year that I, that the way that I feel, like I used to think that everyone felt the same way I did. Mm. I used to think that everyone felt really deeply and, mm-hmm. you know, I could literally like, I could, be, I mean, when I'm around people, I can exhaust me, I, and I'm, I can sometimes. It was always hard for me to understand, like, where I like where someone or I would end and someone else would begin. So I would take on other people's emotions. I would literally carry their their pain or like their drama. I mean, I would get. I mean, I would involve myself in so much stuff that was not 
you know, mm-hmm. something I should not have taken on because it ends up stressing me out. So I started to realize this in the past year that maybe not everyone feels the same way I do. And when I started doing this like deep self work and started to kind of, you know, open up more, then I started to find other people who were just like me and I saw there was a word for it. And I was like, oh my God. So I guess people really aren't, you know, they don't really take on things like me. And so I had to realize I'm very sensitive, like very sensitive. And I need to be mindful because if I'm not mindful of what I'm exposing myself to, the next thing I know, I could be like, I mean, having like a mental breakdown with someone else. And I just have to be careful with what I choose to involve myself in. So I, 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 it's hard because I love everyone and I want to show everyone compassion. But there has to be, there's a line that gets drawn when it becomes a relationship where I'm giving away pieces of myself. But I start to feel myself becoming exhausted, becoming unhappy, becoming depressed, or when I'm not feeling good, I'm anxious, I'm mad or something, I'm just like, whoa, all right, calm down, slow down, we're stopping here, I have to, this is where the boundary comes up, I have to close this door because, not because I don't love you, but because I love myself, I love myself more, (laughs) and self-care is so 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 important and you cannot I mean there's a saying I think you can't um pour from like an empty cup if you keep giving yourself to other people I mean you have nothing you then if you're exhausting yourself your resources then you can't be helpful but if I take care of myself and if I make sure that I am you know well fed I'm exercising that I'm happy that I'm you know feeling good then I can give myself to others you know yeah, so maybe one way to picture it, it's like for you, it's almost like emotions are like a gravitational force where you just are going to be picked up and tuned into it and it just draws you in. And that that's true amongst empaths, but like you're saying, when other people don't understand that, like they're, they can drain you down or just pull you in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, within the past year, too, since I, still, since I started to kind of put up boundaries and started to realize, like, okay, so people like I can get exhausted easily I need to be careful of what I'm exposing myself to I've lost I've lost some friends because I've had to say like listen like I love you but I can't keep talking to you about the same subject or Mm. I can't keep you know this is just not healthy for me and I it sucks because it's like you know I love these people I wish they understood but not everyone's gonna understand but I understand and that's what's important I know you have this like this I don't know how new it is but this love for nature which that's something where like being alone in nature where you are free to experience life without having others emotions like screening yours like you could truly see your emotions and what you thought for yourself apart from someone else's emotions almost dominating is that I mean do you think that's part of why you love nature yeah because when I'm outside I mean when you're just around it's like it's solitude solitude is just it's magical. A lot of people are afraid of it. I've come to really embrace it. I love it. And I feel like when I'm out there, if I'm, if I'm trail running or if I'm you know, in the desert or if I'm in the mountains, like even yesterday, I was, I was in, the, in, in the mountains of Juneau um, in the snow. It was so cool. You know, when you're just with yourself and your own thoughts and somewhere where there's not a lot of distractions, it's just pure, beautiful, I mean, it's just so real, and it's just amazing that, I mean, places like, I mean, I'm from Florida, too, where it's super flat, we don't really have seasons, <laughs> mm-hmm. so out here in California, I'm just like, this is just, I feel like I'm in Wonderland, like, it's just amazing that this just exists out of pure nature, and so I find that everywhere I go, there's a just, it just gives off a different kind of energy, I guess, like, I just feel, there's certain places where I feel very connected, like, in the desert, like there's like the Grand Canyon Havasupai I went there last year. You just feel like you belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, maybe if they're not used to nature, they're used to how different cities have different feels and you get different energies. It's the same thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's the same. And you mentioned Juno and Juno's your dog that you adopted, even though it's your space fan, but that's not, you didn't name the dog, but Juno is your dog. He's like your best buddy companion. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? Um, I was fostering her when I was in college. And I, I picked her up from the, um, 
from the facility that she was staying at, I picked her up and her name, they gave me Juno. And I did not realize that her name was like a space name until I think a year after I had her. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's kind of, I ended up adopting her. I was fostering her and I failed. So it's kind of funny. It's, it's so ironic. People think I named her. I'm like, nope, I did not name my dog. Like it's, this is just a match made in heaven. Fit, it's meant yeah. to be. And so <laughs> how did, how did your love of space? Like I know you were space journals. When did that begin? How did that kind of play out? Oh man, I think I always, always, I was always infatuated with the stars. I was always, I mean, as a kid, I think I was born like looking up, but clearly I would love just to sit outside at night, look up at the stars, look at the sky, look at like constellations. In summer camp, I used to do the same thing. I would actually like be walking outside with my friends and we'd be looking up at the sky because I went to Sipway camp and I would be bumping into people because I'm not like, you know, paying attention where I'm going. Right. I'll go to like the planetarium when I was a kid. Um, and I think when I was in high school, like I started to watch all the fun documentaries and like, you know, science programs on television and Nat Geo and all that. And then believe it or not, when I was in college, I was going to school for journalism. I had, I thought that I'd maybe be a sportscaster or I'd be, really? yeah. In fact, I interned at um, the Super Bowl, my senior year of college. And like you, be, you were at the Super Bowl? Yeah, I was at CBS uh, News in, interning at the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I thought that I'd be reporting on sports maybe, or even maybe politics, I don't know. I, I, I minor in political science, but uh, it's funny, my, I think it was my, so there was like a senior year and like a super senior year. Super senior year was the year that I, I um, interned, and then the senior year before it, <laughs> I was going to like a, like a, an art festival in Miami. My sister lived in my lives in Miami, so I went down there to visit her. And she was like, "Talia, there's this booth that has all these crazy space photos. You have to check it out. Uh-huh. It, it's amazing." And the guy who, who he's a photographer, like he took all these photos of like planets and and galaxies and nebulas and stuff. You have to see it. I'm just like, "What? Okay, cool." So I go to this. So I meet my sister. We go to this art festival. We're at this tent, and I'm just blown away. I'm like, holy crap, this looks like... Sorry, I curse sometimes. I hope that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, be yourself. I'm trying to catch myself. I'm trying to catch myself. Um, I'm just like, wow, this is unreal. And I couldn't believe what I was looking at, that these weren't, you know, Hubble photos or, mm-hmm. or you know, NASA mm-hmm. photos. So the photographer comes over to me, and he asked me, you know, he was asking questions, what are you looking at, or you know, what interests you? And we end up becoming friends. And I told him how I had an interest in astronomy. I love space, but I don't know anything about this. And he showed me that um, a telescope he was taking his photos through. And we, we became friends. And whenever he had like an art show, he was actually from Ohio. So whenever he had like an art show in Florida, he would reach out and say, hey, I'm coming through Tampa. Or we'd go grab lunch, lunch somewhere. And he kept telling me, he said, you have to pursue this. You love space. You have to pursue it. Maybe you can write for space.com. Maybe you can write for astronomy.com. You've got to do this. And so... I started thinking to myself, I was like, can I, can I do this? I don't know. <laughs> and um, around that same time, um, NASA had this program called NASA Social. And you can apply online for like, these events. There's rocket launches or just, you know, they have, basically they have the public come in and you have to have a social media handle. It's to be active on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And they invite you to come in and you basically get to be the media for the day. And you... You know, they take you on tours and they show you really cool things. They tell you about, you know, upcoming missions, upcoming science things they're doing. And they basically have you share on your, on your social media all this content and it helps, to, it helps them reach more people. I think I, I went for the Atlantis rollover. So basically when the, the space shuttle, um, when the orbiter was being retired at the Kennedy Space Center, they had this huge ceremony. So I believe that Atlantis was the last space shuttle to retire. So my first time at the Kennedy Space Center, I'm at this event and people are crying. <laughs> people are like sobbing. I'm like, am I here for a funeral? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and we, they take us into the Vehicle Assembly Building and there's this huge spatial in there. And no joke, when I thought about like the spatial program and the Apollo program, like I didn't know the difference between like, like the like what like you know the Saturn V rocket and the space shuttle. Like I thought that we literally took space shuttles to the moon. I really thought that. Now um, I, I make, it kind of makes me laugh, but I started to realize I'm like, this is crazy. I can't believe I, you know, I thought this. Mm. And um, I started to kind of realize I'm here at the end of an era. I'm seeing this special 
become, you know, they're retiring a program, a 30 mm. year program. And I never saw a single space shuttle launch. Mm. I lived in Florida from the age of 13. And here I was, I think I was 21 or 22. Wow. This is 22. Yeah. And I've never seen a space shuttle launch. I missed all of them. And I'm like, how am I in journalism school? Like, I'm in, I'm in journalism. And you love in space. Florida. Yeah. And I love space. And I, I did not know about this. So I'm like, there needs to be, like, there needs to be speech journalists. Like, clearly, there's, the word is not getting out. I'm, I'm not, I have no idea this is even going on. I was not taught any of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm so inspired by it. And it was a two-day event. So on the second day, they had this, this event at, um, it's called Exploration, Exploration Park. Where it was just a big field, but they had all of the new space companies out there. So they had like SpaceX was there, Boeing was there, um, Sierra Nevada was there, a company called Xcore Aerospace was there, and they had all of like their prototype little space planes and capsules. So SpaceX had this like old, like it was a demo version of like their dra- their Dragon capsule. <laughs> And it looked, it was literally a piece of tin. Like it was a piece of tin. And this is way before, um, actually, I think they had one launch and they docked the ISS that year. So this was 20, was this 2012? I can't even remember. 2012, I think, maybe. Yeah. Um, it was 2011. I don't know. No, 2012. And um, I remember just being so like inspired by all of these, like these, this future, these futuristic ideas of, you know, like private you know private companies flying like flying our astronauts to the iss eventually mm-hmm. us going to mars i learned about the uh, space launch system i learned about orion and i'm just like wow so i'm here at the ending of an era and beginning of a new one and i really want to be part of this <laughs> so from that day forward i was like i want to be a space journalist that's what i'm going to do and <laughs> well like that's pretty much what i did <laughs> <laughs> It was not, it was not easy by any means. And it was, and that's, you know, it kind of brought me to where I am now. But like, I, I look back at like those few years I covered space. It, it, I mean, there was, it was no one, my parents were like, you're absolutely insane for wanting to pursue this. And I could not find a space journalism job, believe it or not. But I somehow was able to kind of create a job for myself. Good for you. And yeah, with a comp- with a with a publication that I was freelancing with, and I was able to kind of pitch the social media managing idea to them, and they were on board with it. And so, I basically was able to support myself just through that, and that's how I kind of, well, that's how I got myself involved, and it kind of also brought me to where I am now, where I'm a digital marketing manager. So that's how I went from journalism to marketing. But the journalism part, that I mean, that was just those few years were so freaking cool i mean i saw so many rocket launches i can't even tell you how many and i learned i mean i i it's so funny to think back that i thought we took space shuttles to the moon because <laughs> now like i i'm so it's not even like i mean it's a passion but it, you know i catch on to these things and i learn about it and it just makes so much sense to me so i also think back to you know how uninformed i was and so now my goal is to inform people and to get them as excited about space as I do, because it's just, it, it just inspires me on so many levels. You were into space and you weren't even aware of the, these flights going on, but for someone who doesn't even have your passion and they have never even looked up at the stars, or if they have, it doesn't mean anything to them, how can you help them understand what space means to you? I think it's, it's really hard. I think the problem is that we often get so um yeah, we, we we all just get so sucked into our own little worlds that we forget that we are literally like nothing like i mean in the grand scheme of time we've been existing for no time whatsoever i mean we're nothing in our existence here in this universe we're like literally a, like a, a speck suspended on a sunbeam i believe that's what carl sagan said right like a, like a moat of dust, I think. Like, that. like we're literally nothing. And so when you think about that, when you can actually remove yourself from your little bubble and start to think bigger than that, how amazing is that we are even, that we even exist. I mean, how can you not like look about this, like just look up and wonder what else is out there? Um, and I think that people also have a hard time kind of understanding it because if they have not experienced it themselves, how can they, you know, how can they relate to it? How can they take it and put it into, into you know, how, 
like how do they understand like how it affects their lives because honestly space exploration is so important for so many i mean it's brought us so many different i mean advances in technology advances in science i mean so many things we have today i mean even us communicating right now there's satellites in the sky like we need to have space travel for us to advance as a species but that's part of the problem with space journalism right that this is very for most people it's a very high concept it doesn't seem practical to their daily lives even though it is mm -hmm. it doesn't seem tangible and i mean that's part of musk's genius is he really he gets that the public needs to you know be on board with this and he looks for ways to make what he you know like when he the falcon heavy launch it's like when you put a car in space it's like oh the you know the tesla mm -hmm. when you see those pot right it's like that's just beautiful or they do the, like the the mock drawings and they have like a girl floating in space with like a beautiful flowing dress just floating playing a violin and it's like he gets this idea of taking these really like you know engineering scientifically intense spend your lifetime to try to understand them concepts and then he finds some practical way to make you know a normal person be like wow imagine that yeah. is that is that kind of what your job was, or how did you think about what? What did you see your job as a space journalist? So as? I covered the space program. Like I was very much interested in. I mean, before I got involved in that, I was interested in kind of astronomy. So think, like learning about constellations, learning about planets, learning about you know what you know what comet can you see in the, in the night sky for how long? Where's the Milky Way? You know things like that. It was hard for me to understand how the, the space program and. As a journalist, my role really was covering all of like the latest space news and events. If there was a rocket launch, I would cover that. If there was, you know, if they had some kind of event at the Kennedy Space Center, for example, like, like when the, uh, what was that movie? The Martian came out, we had, they had, they invited some of the, the cast members there. So there was like a, a press conference for that um, when the SpaceX, um, Dragon, what, what was that, CRS-7, when that explosion happened, we covered that. I was also doing social media, and so I was managing the Facebook page, the Twitter, and the Instagram. And this was back before you can buy followers on Instagram, back before there was advertising. And so I, like, I was really into us um, marketing our stuff, like, you know, getting these photos out there. And I noticed that Instagram was huge for photojournalism. And we had some really, you know, incredible photographers. So unfortunately, like, they were much older. And so they were not as social media savvy. So even though their photos were spectacular, I'm like, these are not getting spread far enough. So I started using social media for that. And I think we grew so quickly, we went from like, zero to I think 20,000 in one year. I think this was in the year 2015 or so. Mm -hmm. It's because we were posting in real time as it was happening. And it was also around the same time that SpaceX started to really, you know, ramp up rocket launches and people were somehow just, whenever they, like the word, like just the name SpaceX, Elon Musk, people just like loved it. They were all yeah, over the guy's it. guy's incredible. All over yeah. it. Yeah. So, um he like you know they were it's so funny because nasa does a really good job marketing too and getting you know getting people on board with it but for some reason elon musk that you know spacex and all that just really got people interested in it and so what i wanted to do was post content in real time as they were happening and also let people know hey there's a launch going on it was so, it was such a big deal to me to get people in florida to start watching launches like i actually would reach out to my high school teachers and i would say get uh -huh. your students outside today at 11 16 a.m like get them you know, just go outside they're going to be able to see it from from palm beach you were trying to correct the wrongs of your past where you you weren't aware of it so that's not going to happen to <laughs> yeah, those kids exactly. yeah. like, they had me actually come in also for like for an event they had me um do like a chat with some of the seniors about what i do as a space journalist but i started you know i'm friends with my old teachers on facebook now and so i see like, like now they're they would come, they would seem like they would come to my page. They would see that I'm posting like about launches coming up. And so then they would be more uh -huh. mindful of all that and they would show their, show their students. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you clearly have like this, I mean, analytical side to you where it's like you can get the facts and figures of the launches and the numbers and the company names down. But then one of the things is it, have you always been intuitive and like following your intuition? Is that something new to you or what's kind of the journey around like 
trusting your intuition more been like? Um, I kind of have, like, it, it's been hard because I kind of, so with my, with me kind of following my path, like my journey, on the outside, so many people don't understand it. And I think that my family, even like, there's like, where did this come from? Like, how come, you know, my, my cousins work in entertainment or they work in music and my sister, um, she was a, a producer, you know, enter, like working for like a, um, a, like a production company, you know, they produce movies and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so my, my parents were just like, where did the space thing come from? And it sounded very, I guess, like unrealistic to them. And so when the people closest to you and the people who you really care about and who's, imp- you know, whose opinions of you really mm-hmm. matter, you start to, you know, listen to them and you let them tell you who you are instead of you listening to yourself. And the times where I said, no, like, I need to do this. Like, I need to be a space journalist. I mean, I went through, I mean, it was not easy. Like, I graduated college. I was working at a running store in Tampa. I wanted to move to Orlando to be closer to the Canning Space Center. And my parents were like, we're not signing a lease. Because you know, at the time, I, I, I need someone to be a co-signer. Right. I was, oh, yes, I didn't have a job yet. And I didn't have a job out in Orlando. My parents were like, we're not doing that. We don't want to, you know, we don't, we don't think that's where you need to be and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of had to pave my own way and go against the people who I loved because I just knew in my heart, this was what I needed to do. And even when I had hardships as, as a, you know, getting my foot, getting myself out there as well, just was a challenge all on its own. I just felt in my heart that it was right. And every time that I have made a decision that sounded crazy or, you know, to other people may have looked, you know, insane. To me, if I knew that it was what I was meant to be doing, it always worked out. And it was only the times where I did not follow my intuition, where I had this gut feeling where I'm like, I should be doing this, but I'm going to let this person tell me, you know, what I should be doing mm-hmm. instead. I always end up getting burned, always end up getting burned. Mm-hmm. And the same thing comes with people too. Like I would have you know a feeling about someone like I kind of feel like this person is not being real with me or they're not like their intentions are not pure and then I would kind of just be like the logical side of me be like Talia you have no reason to think that you have no reason to think this person has any bad intentions or anything at all and then later on this person goes and they do something absolutely horrible to me like so Mm-hmm. Recently, um, within like yeah, the past years that I've been going through all this stuff, I've started to really tap into my intuition. And some people are like, "Oh, so does that mean you're psychic?" No, doesn't mean I'm psychic. It just means <laughs> that like I follow what I know in my heart is right. And ever since I started doing that, making decisions about people, as soon as I you know I got this intuitive feeling that oh, I feel like this person is just not who like not who they say they are, I remove myself. And usually I'm always right. Maybe a more scientific way of looking at it, like you're saying, for those who get like freaked out by the idea. It's like, I mean, that, that is the basis of science, that rather than looking towards others to determine reality, you look at reality itself, because it doesn't matter how many people in a white coat say something. You, you know, if you just take them at their word for it and never look into it, well, then you're getting all your information secondhand and you don't truly understand mm-hmm. it. And that definitely goes for like your life where it's like, who knows what you want for your life more than you do. Yes. And it's like, what is right. And it's like, well, what is your definition of success? And that's a very hard thing to come to. But when you're, when you're not even asking that question, when you're just saying, what do others think success is or how do I appear successful in their eyes? Well, then maybe you achieve all those things that they think are successful, but you still don't feel satisfied because it's not truly in touch with yourself. Absolutely. Yes. You're spot on. It seems so obvious, right? When we just think about it, like, yeah, but why does that feel so hard, especially for empathic? I mean, it's hard for, I think, everyone, but especially for empathic people. Why do you think that's such a struggle? Because when you're not living in, like, your absolute truth, I mean, it's it's really, it's really hard. Like, you want people to like you. You want to have friends. You want to have, mm-hmm. you, you want to be accepted. But the biggest thing is, like, you know, you have to accept yourself and, I've only, you know, Mm -hmm. recently, you know, there's, I feel like there's, my my view on this is kind of hard to explain, but like, if I, I've come to realize that if I live my life the way others want me to live it, or, or if I start to, 
define myself by the way others see me. That's just, I mean, it's just, I, and I did do that. And it, it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable. And I'd rather at this point let down people than let down myself, you know, because you're the one who has to live with yourself. You know, you're the one who has to wake up in this body every day. It's so important for you to live in your truth and not to let other people tell you how to feel. You kind of get what I'm saying, which is, it was just so hard for me because I love other people and I want mm -hmm. them to under, I mean, I want them to understand me and I want them to approve of me, but I'm not everyone's cup of tea, you know? <laughs> yes. Which, and for you, that's a big thing to be okay Absolutely. with that. Yeah. To, yeah. So con conflict or disagreement in general, that was probably something that previously it was to be avoided as much as possible. Oh yeah. I turned, I mean, yeah, I turned a blind eye to a lot of things I shouldn't have. And it definitely like came back to bite me because I wasn't living in my truth. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I love, I love people make fun of like, Oh, like, you know, the whole spiritual, you know, how, how spiritual people act when they say like, oh, the universe is telling me to do this or the universe is, you know, pushing me in this direction. But yeah, I really truly believe that like, if you are not living in your truth, you will have so, there'll be signs left and right. You'll be constantly met with, I mean, and not like the good kind of hardships that help you grow stronger. You will not, you will, mm -hmm. you will not be living the amazing, fulfilling, exciting, beautiful life that you deserve if you're constantly trying to please other people. Right. It's self-inflicted pain. And it's like, no one can remove that but yourself. Yes. I mean, one of the hardest things for me too was, you know, moving out to California, I, I left space journalism and I loved it. I mean, space is my passion. And that job was my dream job. I mean, that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my freaking life. And I had to make the decision to leave because not because I wanted to, but because I was seriously getting those signs all over the place. Like it was very, it, life became very unstable for me. Um, freelancing and contracting, I mean, your contract can end, you can be there one day, gone the next, you know, and when it comes yeah. to moving up and when it comes to progressing in your career, there wasn't really much growth for me there. And I felt like I was plateauing and I just got to a point where it just felt like, I felt like I was being, it almost felt like I was being shoved out in a way. It felt like I was being shoved out and I started to kind of resent it even a little bit. But what was really happening was that I was being put on the right trajectory. I was being put on a path that wasn't really taking me away from my passion. It was putting that trajectory into a life where I can live a fulfilling, amazing, happy, inspiring, exciting life doing something that I enjoy that also allows me to, you know, put a roof over my head and food on my table and to live independently and pay my bills while still pursuing my passion for space. So when you're going through it at the time, you think like, you know, I, like I thought too, like I thought like since I left space, there was a time too where I was really upset because that's what I loved. And I'm just like, who am I now? Like I was so cool back then and now I'm not that cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if you constantly think back to that, like, you know, even, you know, <laughs> recently I kind of noticed that my parents were still kind of holding on to those old memories of me being in front of the NASA vehicle assembly building mm. and, you know, flying mm. in an airplane with an astronaut and stuff. And I've gotten to a point now where it's like, you know what, like, I love what I was doing back then, but that wasn't where I was supposed to be. Like, where I am now is amazing and I'm happy. And I know that I'm living the life that I am meant to, to be in because life now for me is so much less stressful. They're, they're used to having this constant level of stress and it does seem to be this idea that, I mean, I view it through the lens of truth. Like if you're being truthful, if you're being honest, it's like that, that allows you to deal with reality and what's going on. But when you try to smooth things over, it's like truth is something that it seems like if you sell it or if you give it up, it allows you to gain so much. Like, it doesn't seem like it's valued, right? Like, if you just if you just bend the truth a little bit, it lets you get your way or it lets you maintain this relationship or it smooths things over. And it's like, I, 
I think those it accumulates, and then like you're saying, you say, "How did I get here?" and you have to make some, you know, yeah. giant move to kind of break free. Yeah, you're not living in your truth when you're doing that. That changes the whole structure of how, because most people, I mean, if you're just human, you're going to view disagreement as an uncomfortable. Um, negative experience that makes you question why is the other person treating me this way how do you how do you view how do you view disagreement or how do you view that now like do you view that as it can be a very healthy positive thing yeah I do actually I see so there's you know disagreeing I mean there's it also depends on the context of what we're disagreeing on and you know I, I believe that two adults who are mature can just have a disagreement that they can learn from. Disagreements and conflicts allow us to learn. And one thing I really love is when someone kind of challenges me, not in a bad way, but because like it kind of gets me to see things from their perspective. And it gets me to kind of think about other possibilities and see things from other different, you know, they put myself into their position. And I think that's really, really, really important. That's how I learn. And then through, through, through disagreements, through conflict, through hardships, all that. There's some times where if there's a disagreement, like I said, it depends on the context. But I also see, too, that, I mean, I've had, there were times where I felt like someone was disagreeing with me and it wasn't, and they were not right. And that, you know, they, they were stuck in their way and they would not budge. And mm. that to me, when they, you know, it takes two. When you can see it from another person's perspective, you can come to some kind of right. like compromise. Awesome. And that's, you know, that's, that's great. But when you're so stubborn and you're stuck and you're not sure. doing, you're Correct. not making, I don't know. Like I, I mean, my, I've had so many different experiences with, with this agreement that, I guess what I'm thinking of right now is actually a negative scenario. <laughs> yeah, but. definitely. Well, I guess maybe maybe another way of phrasing it is like one of the things that you definitely agree is key now is that you need to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if and if you have that expectation, that, hey, guess what? I'm quirky. I'm I'm not exactly what you think I should be. I'm different. I'm me, and there's no one like me. Well, I need to grant you the same level of autonomy and the same ability mm-hmm. to be fully yourself. And well, the question is, well, we're going to be different. So either we try to have a never ending battle of making the other person fit our expectations or we find out a way to say, help me understand what's going on here. How can we deal with this? How can we make this work? And that that would be the positive form, I would say, of like a healthy base mm-hmm. of like, yeah, that's disagreement. But you're finding out how to make it work, not just like bludgeoning the other to death or calling oh, yeah. it quits. I mean, recently at work, I'm coming up with this campaign for a conference that we're going to be at in a, a week or so. And I proposed this social media campaign or like this like contest. And one of my coworkers said, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. And so we discussed it. She disagreed with me that I thought like I thought was a great idea. She did not. And so we discussed it and I saw her from her perspective. She saw from my perspective. Um, I pulled out, you know, some, some numbers, she pulled out some numbers and we came to a compromise and I'm like, you know what, this was actually healthy for me. This was really good. And I'm so glad that we had this conversation because it gave me more insight into how she sees it. And then also give her insight into how I see it. And, you know, that's so productive. You had that mutual trust that the disagreement wasn't this end or she didn't like you or she was being yeah. Bad, like it, bitter. It's, yeah, because it's funny too because then sometimes with me, like I get, I am a sensitive person. I think, oh my God, like am I now fighting? Is this now like a battle between my like me and my, my teammate? Like we're on the same team. So it was like, we don't mm. want to be fighting with her. But if she, but it's not like out of a defensive thing. It's because we both want to see each other grow. So, and we're also thinking of, what benefits, you know, what, not what benefits me, what benefits her, but what benefits us as a whole. And so when you're talking like now that you're living this new life or you're not living for others and you're attracting the right energy or the right people, right circumstances, that that's a scenario where before you might have just caved in because she disagreed and you went with what she said and you felt resentful. The whole oh, time. yeah. I mean, before I was so like when you're an empath, you end up and if you don't know that you're an empath, you can be like bait for any for for 
sociopaths. Yeah, for, yeah sociopaths and narcissists, <laughs> um, you know, energy vampires, and that's what I was. I was out here in California on my own, not not living in my truth, and not and I, I had not yet stepped into mm. my power as an empath. I had no idea what the hell was going on. I was just trying to please mm. people. I ended up attracting so many mm. awful people into my world. I was mm. literally, that's what led to my downward spiral. I mean, I was trying to keep it together while I was getting pulled in all these different directions. I was living in a state of hypervigilance every day because I just didn't know what, you know, so many people were taking, they're just taking so much from me and I couldn't breathe anymore. I felt like I had no one. That's that blessing in disguise where if, you had maintained a life where you could have kept up the standard quo. You, you never would have realized that this way of interacting with others is not working for me. Yeah, I would have. I mean, I don't know what would have happened. I think, I mean, I, by the end of July, I was, I isolated myself, not because I wanted to, but because I was desperate. Because I knew that if I didn't do this, I probably would not, like, be, I, I felt like I was going to die, literally. Like, I just felt like I had so many pieces of myself just taken away with so many mm. toxic friendships, toxic relationships. Um, I just, and I just knew like in my heart, this is not who I am. This is not the way I'm supposed to be living. It's just hard. Like mm. it's even hard for mm. me now. Like I recently had to, you know, tell my parents, like, this is who I am and I want you to accept me this way. And it's hard when you want your family to love you and to be, you know, to approve of you and to approve the things that make you happy. Like, I don't think that me loving space or me having an interest in, you know, astrophotography is a bad thing. You know, I don't, I mean, there's much worse things for your daughter to be interested in, you know? I'm not yeah. out, you know, That's... doing drugs and clubbing and all the other crazy stuff. Like, I go on camping trips right. to shoot the stars. Not my daughter. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, but for some reason, you know, and, and it makes me so happy inside but for some reason you know there's there's people who just they just don't you know they see something else and it's just and it's them putting their own limitations on you putting their own fears on you and that's the kind of stuff that you kind of have to break free from that's what most people know that's what most people consider love though that is that's they think they're protecting oh yeah oh yeah my parents are they are the most protective and like they worry so much i mean but mm-hmm. also at the same time like i can't limit myself i you know i, I know that like mm-hmm. for them like they've had their own experiences and that's why they think and feel this way but for me it's like you know that's how i sure. learn like i need to go out and explore and, and experience the world i mean i went to spain last year and i didn't tell it was my first trip outside the country by myself yeah. and i didn't tell my parents until like a week before hey i'm going to barcelona by myself oh my goodness I thought my dad was going to like crap his pants or something. I thought he was going to get on a plane and fly over to, to California and like, it, yeah. Try to stop. Yeah. <laughs> take, take your passport from you. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, I was frightened to tell him that. And they were, they were scared too, but you know, what? I went, I had an amazing time and Hey, nothing bad happened. I'm back here now. And it just made me even more, you know, diverse and experienced and it was I'm so glad I did that but yeah like it's it's hard to go against you know the wishes and the expectations of the people who are close to you we all think our family life is normal we all think how we think how other people think what was it that made you realize like you're saying like I'm just unaware of this so it's like well maybe someone listening is also similar to you and they're unaware what are some signs that looking back on you're like so these are some markers like huh um, some people come up to me, they seem super nice, they seem super kind, and then two months later, for some reason, the dynamic has completely shifted, and I feel guilty around them, and I feel like they're now a burden I have to support. What are what are some things that might help someone understand if they're an empath and if toxic people are kind of a part of their life? Oh my goodness, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's so hard for me to even, like, to really, because my story is just... I, I want to share I, it's so it's so hard I want to share it so bad but I'm still healing from it and so I'm still like kind of going through it until kind of making sense of it but I do know like and I, I mean I when I look back at the people who have hurt me that led me to this realization that like like this is like I just was like emotionally abused 
And these were all mm-hmm. the signs mm-hmm. that I did not know about. I mean, I didn't know about narcissism. I didn't know about projection. I didn't know about triangulation. I don't think most people do. I didn't learn about, you know, personality disorders. I didn't learn about, like, even, I didn't know what empathy even was until someone started showing me a hardcore lack of it. I'm like, how can, I mean, I was like, how can I love someone so much and then be this cold and cruel and just awful towards me? And I would make excuses for it. Like, oh, like, he just doesn't know. Like, I mean, it's crazy. I actually, so I'm, it's, it's so insane. Like I, I'm now, I'm open about this stuff. And if someone who has hurt me in the past wants to come back into my life, I hold them accountable for what they did. And my relationship, that was what really, really, really changed me and really got me to start to look and be like, holy crap, this is what happened to me. And I started, I had to, like I said, I had to isolate myself and go within and do a lot of research. Like Mm. what Mm. the hell happened to me? I was in this apartment with someone who I loved. We were sharing a life together. And then all of a sudden, like he just kind of, changed he became secretive he started to Mm. gaslight me whenever I questioned anything like hey like you know what's going on I kind of get this feeling that things aren't good between us I'm crazy I'm jealous I'm absolutely out of my mind I don't know what I'm talking about and so I kind of look at that really you know I when I had to isolate myself this past year I realized that a lot of the things I grew up with a lot of these relationships relationships kind of mirror to you your, you know, your behaviors, you kind of see yourself in the other person. And in that, in that kind of relationship, when I was having all of these horrible things kind of done to me, like I was, you know, pretty much discarded, kicked out, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, the same day my job fired me, I was, you know, kicked out of my home. Like, he, I mean, I wasn't kicked to the curb that day. He wasn't like, oh, you have to get out right now. But, like, I knew, like, this, like, my boyfriend's breaking up with me, and I have to go find a new place to live in a city where I know no one. So I'm going to have to go and find, mm. not only do I have to go find a job first, now I have to go and find, you know, new roommates. And when I ended up moving into this apartment, I mean, like, I was, I moved in here with nothing. I didn't even have, I didn't have a bed. So I was sleeping on, on the floor. And I was starting a new job, so I had to, you know, afford a mattress. And I kept... You know what this person did to me was actually really cruel, and like I even I he knows this too. Like I, he knows straight up that this is this was one of the cruelest things I once ever done to me because I had this. My intuition was telling me there's something wrong with his relationship with his female best friend. This girl, mm-hmm. I met her. I, I mean, I'm not a jealous person, but I just got this vibe and this feeling that this, there's something going on here that I don't trust. And I had this intuitive feeling that this person was going to end up moving into the apartment. That I was being kicked out and then replaced. And I was told, mm-hmm. no, 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 you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. You're jealous. And it was actually the truth. That's really what happened. And so I'm dealing with heartbreak. I'm dealing with starting a new job. I'm dealing with move, like sleeping on a mattress on the floor of this empty apartment. And it was just, you know, I still had so much love for this person. I so badly wanted to believe him and want to understand him. Mm-hmm. And because I was such a people pleaser and in such a desperate place to be approved and to be liked, I ended up attracting another narcissistic person into my life. I was working for one, a narcissist, and mm-hmm. I was living in a state of hypervigilance because not only am I trying to hold on to the pieces of this broken ass relationship, but I'm trying to also please another person who is just, you know, kind of micromanaging me and treating me so much less than I deserved. Um, I remember there was a day, actually a SpaceX launch out here, um, December of last year, it was right before Christmas. And I was, um, it's a long story, but basically my, like he, my boss ended up, you know, screaming at me on the phone. Like I was crying in my car over all this and he hangs up the phone on me and I'm just in a state of just shock and just tears and, and all of this. And the freaking SpaceX launch was going off and it was a beautiful like su- like sunset yeah. launch and it, it made this amazing spectacular like show in the sky and everyone in LA was like freaking out over it. and I got so many texts everyone's like Talia was definitely there for this she had to see this she had it cap- captured it and she totally thought oh was that the alien yes. one and I they, was yeah, too okay. busy in my car hysterically crying over someone else that I missed this and 
so many other things continued happening. I got, I had another, and I made, I made a friend who was also very, um, was a very toxic person. But the one thing that I kind of started to realize, the one thing that really, I really started to realize, and it didn't come to me until after July when I isolated myself, is that the way people treat you is a direct reflection of how they're feeling inside. And when you're someone who is very empathic, someone who who just has that like you know where you want to give and you want to be there for people and you want them to like you and if you don't know because at the time I didn't know that I was a sensitive person if you if you cannot separate yourself from where you end and where someone else begins you can get pulled into their toxic web of just chaos and the red flags really are there from the start you can feel it you can sense it and, you, and it's your intuition going off you can feel it literally in your gut like I, I don't I I mean I feel like everyone everyone's intuitive everyone can pick up on this stuff it just it's the first feeling you get when you meet someone when you you know take on an opportunity to think about something that is your intuition that is your soul speaking to you and then the, the thoughts that come afterwards that kind of you know cancel it out where you think like oh you know maybe the person really isn't that bad or maybe he just he's having a bad day that's mm -hmm. something else so you're making up excuses for what these people are doing and you can't do that and that's what I was doing I was making up excuses and the more they would continue taking advantage of me the more I would just tell myself like you know they, you know, they just don't get it they don't understand being empathic is a very beautiful thing like to care that much for someone to be in touch with someone like those are those you know the we're talking about the like the the problems that come associated with that but in you know in general it's like that's a very beautiful caring thing and that's what everyone wants mm -hmm. like you know who doesn't want to be treated like they understand me and they're so kind and considerate but the issue is like you're saying you assume other people are that way and it's like well I would never do this to someone unless it was something extremely wrong right and then you've oh yeah because you're not able you can't articulate you can't have a conversation you can't you know, if you ever try to bring things up, they make you feel dumb or trust yourself left. They're not building you up. They, you make, you know, gaslight, you question even reality, you know, it can get that extreme. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah. You start to, you start to lose. That, that's how I started losing pieces of myself. You begin to not trust yourself anymore. You start to depend on this, these other people tell you what your reality is. Is part of that because you, you didn't want to face what reality was for yourself or at least not fully yet, like to truly just say, this is my life and I'm going to define success and I'm going to do what I, that was something you were not yet comfortable to do. So you kind of wanted to rely on someone else for that. I think that I just didn't realize how powerful I was on my own. I didn't realize that I don't need these people. I thought I needed these people. I thought I needed, I needed this job. I needed this relationship. I, you know, I need these, I need it. And it always starts off where, you know, these people don't treat you bad at first. It always starts off where they're very respectful. They, they're um, supportive. They, you know, they want to listen to you and they, and they want to, you know, hear about your dreams, hear about your goals. And they agree with you on everything. And it really, it just feels like you're meeting your match. They're forming an emotional connection with you in order to use that to then, because they know the payoff is there, that once the connection established for you to break it is almost impossible. Yeah, and then but when they turn, then it's like, what can I do to get the, get this back? And you begin, you know, if you are not in within your power, which I never really was, and in my life, like, I literally grew up, like, telling myself and telling other people that I will be happy with myself if I can make my family proud. If they're proud of me, then I know I made it, then I know I'm successful. But if they're not proud of mm -hmm. me, then I'm not happy. That's literally what I used to say and what I told myself. And that was like my biggest, greatest ambition in life is just to please my family, to please my parents. That's the very traditional way of defining your identity, which is you define your identity in the context of the, you know, the family. And it's a very shame and honor culture. And then the more modern identity, it's you assert your identity and your feelings and make society accept them and bend its will. And it's like, there, I think there's problems with both sides, but I do think like saying, how does one form an identity or who, how, who gets to define you and what can you define yourself or should your parents define you? I think those are definitely good questions, definitely deep oh, questions oh, to yeah. ask. Oh yeah, definitely. But you can't define, I mean, it's, it's so many people will disagree and 
God, I hope my parents end up listening to this too. It's going to be funny. But um, I love them so much, but I do not agree that I should be living my life to their expectations. And I think that because I did that for so long, that's what had me get into these situations where I'm trying to please other people. I'm trying to be there, you know, fit their expectations. It was what was mine yeah. to you. This is how I relate. So yeah. if my friend is upset with me, I can't deal with life because I can't believe this person thinks that I'm like her. thinks I'm a, you know, I'm a horrible person. She's, she, you know, she, she has this complete different idea of who I am and I know I'm not a bad person. So I'm, you know, then mm-hmm. fighting for this person, this other person's approval. And it's just like, you know, it's, yeah, you have to like if I, who are you trying to prove yourself to Talia are you trying to prove it to her are you trying to prove it to yourself you have to give yourself permission to, to believe I am a good person I am enough these are my passions this is who I am and this is who I want to be and I give myself permission to be this way and anyone else who wants me to be any other way I'm sorry I can't I'm sorry I'm not sorry I think I'm breaking right now Something's gotta give